And if you've been joining us over the last weeks, you will know that the series that we are in and currently doing is called This Is Us. As we are uh, looking into and kind of just re-highlighting the values, our DNA, the things that we just love and kind of pump out of us as a church. And we've been going week by week, just digging into that and just re-inspiring ourselves, reigniting ourselves for why we exist as a church. And this week is, this is us. We are reaching out. And this is where people get a bit nervous. Craig, I will come to church on a Sunday. You know, I will even sing. You know, if you catch me on a good day, I might sign up to volunteer somewhere. But I'll do like the manly stuff out in the car park and leave the kids to someone else. But I might sign up for something. Uh, I might join my wife at a small group once every two months. You know, I might do some of that kind of stuff, but you lose me at reaching out to other people. No, no. And and there's this thing where that that gets a little bit scary because, you know, like, okay, I can serve somewhere that, that I think I can do. You know, and it's not so hard to be with everyone singing because I can hide my voice. But there's, I'm too exposed when I go and, and talk to someone and reach out to someone uh, with my faith. And it is scary, all right? There is this kind of moment, and uh, I can remember being in, in Mozambique. And we were staying in this, uh, this place. It was beautiful. It was like kind of this uh, sprawling, very rural village. And we were there for a while, and we had some downtime, and myself and a mate, his name was Luke, uh, we grabbed Chico, our translator, and we knew that there was a market, uh, a kind of like a little uh, trading spot, uh, a couple Ks away from where we were staying, and we wanted to go and check this place out. And so the three of us uh, just kind of, uh, just try and ask a few questions, and we navigate, and eventually we come to uh, this nice little busy hub uh, there's a few little stalls, guys are trying to like uh, sell some veg and some food and, and that kind of thing. And we see that uh, there's a guy sitting at a table with a checkers board. And if you know me, I am always up for a board game. Uh, it doesn't matter the board game. If there's a spot, an open spot at a board game, I'm going to uh, join in and, and sit and play. And there this guy kind of invited me in. I should have uh, uh, realized something was afoot because uh, you had to pay to play him. Wasn't very expensive, uh, but I play, and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a checkers game being played where there's someone who's really good because you're kind of like moving your pieces around, and all of a sudden he's like jump, 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 and all your pieces off the board and you lose. That happened about four or five times in a row uh, because while I love board games, I also am quite stubborn. I was like, no, 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 no. So again, went some money down, and again played, and again played, and again played, and my friend nudged me. He's like, Craig, and we look around. And there are just a mass of people. I'm so focused in on trying to not get uh, whipped at checkers by this guy in this little village that we didn't realize that easily a thousand people had heard that some guy was taking on the champion of Mozambique at checkers and getting an absolute lesson handed to him. I don't know if he was the champion. Felt like he was the champion. And now he's nudging. He's like, Craig, remember that training we got? You know, you've got to tell people a testimony. I'm like, okay, it's a good thing we bought the, uh, the translator. So I folded up the board and I climbed up onto this table 
And I'm trying to pull the, the translator up with me. And he's just like, going, no, 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 no. And, and my mate actually had to hold the translator there because he wanted to run. And so we got the translator up on the table and we look around. Easily a thousand people have gathered. And uh, I'm 17 and I'd never done this before. Translator, really, he's kept on trying. Like he's not, I said, look, you, you just look at me and just say what I say. And it was bad. People are laughing. People are like pointing and laughing. People are walking away. And in the end, I said, does anybody want to accept Jesus? And again, 17, never done this before. I'm being laughed at by a thousand Mozambicans while I'm standing on a table in a market. And this guy starts to push through to the back. And he comes to the front and he says, I want Jesus. And people are laughing. And we climb down and we get to pray with this guy. And emotionally, he comes to faith in Jesus. And immediately something switched in my mind. Because I had come to faith in Jesus. I could understand that there was a time in my life where I was not a follower of Jesus. He had revealed himself to me and I had come to faith in him. I believed, and I was a Christian, I believed in Jesus. And I believed that that could happen to me, but it could never happen to someone else through me. It was just like I could never ever be used that way. I'd seen other people do it, but not me. That, that wasn't something that God would ever use me in. And that was a moment, a huge moment for me in realizing how God just uses ordinary people in his mission. That it's not up to like the, the paid professionals and the skilled, he uses people who are available and who put themselves out there for God to use. Tara was a 17-year-old not knowing what he was doing in this marketplace on a barrel What was this table. And out of a thousand, I don't know how many people were there, this one guy came to faith. And really and truly, the most exciting thing about the kingdom and church is that God can use me and he can use you. And he uses everyday people. And as a church, we celebrate that every single day. There is so much that God is doing in us as a church. You know, we, eight years old as a church, started as a handful of people that's grown to two meetings on a Sunday and so many people here because God's moving. People are wanting and hungry for things of the Lord. And as testimony to what's happening here this morning, as a few years ago, there was not nearly this many people here. But because normal people reach out the kingdom is growing. We heard last week, um, Sally, she's not here this morning, shared with us about an event that she's involved in happening next week, Wednesday, where there's gonna be 3,000 prisoners having lunch and a time of, so, so we had a few minutes for testimonies. They've given three hours for the testimony time at this prison next week. Because God has moved so powerfully in this prison and all the testimonies around how the criminal has come to forgiveness and repentance, come to faith, has reached out to the family that they committed the crime against. That family has responded and there has been restoration between the two. Three hours of testimonies. And uh, people here at Riverside are getting involved in that event, gonna be serving lunch. I'm gonna be down there. A few of you guys are involved. What an opportunity to reach out. And this is just happening with people who are here on a Sunday. Right, hey, uh, 10th of March, uh, they're heading out on Ride for Hope. He's involved in an organization called Christ Hope. 
uh, working with children who are affected and infected with HIV, vulnerable, don't have uh, their parents or can't take care of themselves. And we just get to celebrate this as a church that in our midst, there's people who left corporate and went into full-time ministry to serve. And their vision is great, an AIDS-free world. That's what they are striving for. And uh, he actually mentioned to me before the service, Craig, we need a teacher two days a week, uh, two hours a week uh, to, to teach 10 kids school in a box. Uh, if you want to get involved, you want to reach out, uh, look for the shiniest head uh, around the, the coffee and uh, connect with Hey. But there's some incredible stuff happening. Normal people reaching out. We've got Hope Village and Door of Hope in our midst. I mean, we're so blessed as a church to have people who come here who have left, I want to say, not normal jobs for normal jobs, but have just gone, you know what? There are babies being abandoned in our city. We need to take care of them. And now they can't all be adopted, so we need to create a village for them. And so now they're working and striving towards that. And so many of you are volunteers, uh, volunteers with them and full-time with them. But just again, so many opportunities. That wasn't like that a few years ago. Uh, small church, few opportunities. Uh, and now we're at the size that we are with so many, many opportunities. Rest Haven, another organization that exists in our midst that is taking care of vulnerable children and our vulnerable old people, doing such incredible work in our city. Last week, we prayed off Jared, guy who finished school last week, who's felt God stirring his heart for missions. And we were able to rally behind him and support him spiritually and financially to go and do six months of mission training as he kind of figures out the next step for his life. Incredible. A few weeks time, you're going to be hearing from Chris, who as a church, we were able to send for a whole year into the field. And he went all over the place. I can't even list the places he went to last year. You'll get a chance to hear about it when he shares. At RPM two weeks ago, we heard of a young girl who's done multiple trips to India. And just the, the Lord has stirred in her to reach out. And man, it is just so exciting. Now, please do not come and kill me after the service because I didn't mention what you're involved in. Right? I know that you guys are all involved in so much stuff. I just, uh, that's what I've uh, mentioned this morning. Uh, no reason why I did or didn't. We just wanna highlight just the exciting stuff that is happening. And man, if I don't know what you are doing, just come and tell me uh, so that the next time I can share about what you are doing. But we are a church that reaches out. And what a joy to be uh, involved in that and to be a part of that. And, and it's so great because it actually mirrors a little bit of how the early church did things. You know what we love so much about the early church? Is at one point there were about 100 believers gathered together in one room. That was it. The global population of Christians could fit into one room. And now how many places around the globe are people worshiping? Some in secret, uh, some in public. But you know what was so amazing? about how the early church grew was spontaneous. It wasn't organized. There was no like the leaders sat down and go, okay, we need to figure out a program. Guys, we're intentional. But so much of what happened in the early church was the spontaneous outworking. Uh, people were so caught up in their love for Jesus and what he was doing in their lives and being empowered by the Holy Spirit that they just went out and the church grew and justice happened. And mission happened. 
and the church grew and justice and mission happened and the church grew and it was spontaneous and it was spontaneous even in the midst of incredible persecution, people dying for their faith. As they went out, they just took their faith. And so what I wanna say to you guys this morning, if you're taking notes, please don't wait for us. What I wanna say about us is like, if you feel like uh, mission and justice needs to take place when uh, a leader in the church organizes something, no, you're wrong. Yes, we're organizing stuff. Yes, we're trying to get better at justice and empower more people for justice and figure out missions uh, more. We, we're trying to mobilize the church more as leaders, but you never have to wait for us to feel like you can do justice and mission. Right, it's spontaneous. It's a natural outworking of us being caught up in the work of Jesus and what he is doing in our lives and being empowered by the Holy Spirit to go. Because one of the first things we see is when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens is they're empowered to go and witness and go on mission. Jesus said, you will receive power when my Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. That's kind of like concentric circles going out from where they are. And man, we are praying for more of the Spirit. Do not be surprised if you are feeling bolder than you have ever felt in your life because one of the benefits of the Holy Spirit in us is a boldness and an empowering to witness. And I know that as we seek him more, we're gonna be hearing more and more stories of people going, Craig, I've never been this bold before. I've never, man, and we're just so excited about that. But we are reaching out. Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter one. This is a great passage of scripture. I love it so much. And there's a, a few things we're gonna just pick out to encourage us more uh, around this whole thing of reaching out in truth and love, reaching out as the church, being on mission, loving the lost, loving justice, and just getting more and more feet and hands in that. Colossians chapter one, uh, New Testament, kind of towards the end, not a very big book. Uh, you can use your contents page if you're struggling. It is also gonna be up on the screen. It's nice to find it so you can bookmark it and spend some time there in the week. Uh, this is uh, a letter that was written uh, by uh, a guy by the name of Paul, a missionary. He uh, took the gospel uh, out on mission uh, to his generation. Just an incredible guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He's writing a letter of encouragement to a small church. And we're gonna read from verse three. This is what he says. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learnt it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister on Christ on our behalf, who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruits in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power uh, according to his glorious might 
so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Just a wonderful uh, passage and introduction into what God was doing in a church in a little kind of backwater town. Uh, this town was kind of on a trade route in kind of now Western Turkey, but kind of off the main, main route. But God uh, was doing incredible stuff here. And you know, there's why this passage is because sometimes, and maybe you've heard this before, you hear a sermon on kind of reaching out, justice, mission, kind of sharing your faith, and it kind of feels like you're being hit with a stick. You know, you must, you must, you must. And what I love so much about what we're seeing here is that their love for Christ, their joy, what they had experienced in their own salvation kind of welled up so much that it was being spoken about around the rest of the world. God's talking about, have you heard what was happening there? Not because of anything other than just the love of Jesus and, and, and how they were experiencing the gospel. I just think about what that could mean for us. Because if we just, again, and, and this is what is true for us. It is a natural outworking. So many of us are, are doing the things that we're doing because of how we love Jesus. You don't leave you know, a high-paying job and go into full-time ministry uh, for fun. Okay, that's not fun. You, know, you do it because you love Jesus. And, and the, the stuff that we're hearing about what's happening in your workspaces and and at schools and things like that. It's just because of this, this fruit of the gospel in your lives. And I love the vision of so many organizations. Again, I'm gonna pick on, on Christ's hope because I've, I've seen some of their staff in tears uh, unpacking this vision going, we do this every day because we believe that an AIDS-free society is possible. Now imagine that. Just kind of like, like think for a moment with me what is possible in the south of Joburg. Just think, what's possible in the schools? And we're involved in a lot of schools. The schools are hostile, right? How much has been in the news about the difficulties that teachers are, are facing and, and even some pupils at the hands of some teachers and vice versa, right? Tense places, right? Schools are not easy places to be in for teachers and for learners. But what is possible in all the schools, I did an audit a little while ago, 100,000 high schoolers in a 10 kilometer radius, maybe 15 kilometer radius from where we are right now. What is possible for us as a faith community? Right, this gospel that is bearing fruit throughout the whole world. Right, started in one place in Jerusalem and there is a church meeting here in the south of Joburg. How did that happen? Right, because God is moving by his spirits. And people come to faith in Jesus, right? How, how else are you guys here this morning? And just so exciting that, you know, when you dream of what is possible, some organizations are dreaming about an AIDS-free society. Some organizations are, are dreaming about a place where no child can be abandoned, right? There's a safe space for them. Some organizations are dreaming about having facilities that uh, our elderly and our abandoned children and orphans have a safe place to go and be cared for. You know, maybe as a church, you're dreaming about something. Man, God wants to make that a reality, right? Because God is for justice. God is for mission. And maybe you're dreaming about those 100,000 teenagers all together in one place, worshiping the name of Jesus. 
Man, wouldn't that be a day when all the teenagers in the south of Joburg are saved? What a day. You know, what a day when there's just so many people who are wanting to come in and experiencing what you guys were sharing in your testimonies that we don't have enough chairs. Right, that we're having to sit on the floor and guys are standing at the doors and you know, we're going to two services, three services, four services, more spaces because we're reaching out. Because what you have, you want other people to have. And this is what happened. There's a church because the gospel's bearing fruit. Man, during our week of prayer and fasting, we had a missions prayer meeting. And there was this guy sharing from OM. And he was talking about how there's been this radical increase, like in 1800, only 2% of the world was evangelical Christian. And at the start of the year 2000, it had increased like 300% and now it's like at 23%. And the only reason that happens is because the gospel is bearing fruits. And they showed a map of how this is where there were no recorded believers and in the last 50 years, they showed a picture again and how the gospel is spreading throughout the world. It's incredible to be a part of this. Man, it's so exciting that uh, when we reach out, you know that you are reaching out into what God is doing, into something that he is constructing, that he is moving in. You know, we, he shared with us about um, one particular people group that we spent uh, some time praying for. Uh, it's a group in Tibet called the Cheyenne um, Buddhists. And it's so difficult because you've got to do this like ridiculous plane trip to get to this like small town on the edge of China. And then you've got to get in a bus. You've got to do a three-day bus trip into Tibet. And, and then the bus stops and you've got a three-day hike to get to a group of people that's about 25,000 strong. We don't even know what language they speak yet. That's how remote they are. And so he asked this question. He said, how do you pray for these Cheyenne Tibetans? And we kind of guess someone says, like, you're all wrong. You play from a place of victory. We're like confused. And he says, because we know in Revelation, John gets a picture of the throne room and they're worshiping as people from every tribe, every nation, every language. And he's like, I'm praying from victory because I know when I get to the throne one day and I'm part of this great multitude, I'm gonna be holding hands with the Cheyenne Tibetan we don't even know what language they speak because the gospel's bearing fruit here and all over the world and we get to be a part of that. Isn't that incredible? But you don't have to wait for us. The gospel is bearing fruit. From that passage, something else that I just love is the phrase, you heard it from Epaphras. That's like one of my favorite statements in the whole of the New Testament because we know nothing about him. He's not kind of in like the top tier of like New Testament leaders. He, doesn't, he didn't write a book of the New Testaments. He's mentioned nowhere else. Paul's writing to this church. He's talking about the gospel that is bearing fruits. And he says, you heard it from Epaphras and that's it. I don't know who this guy is. But because he reached out, the gospel bore fruits in a town. And there's a church whose faith is being spoken about around the rest of the world. Isn't that just amazing? Again, it tells me that the spreading of the gospel is not up to the paid professionals. And it's important to realize that because there are people that you know that I can never, ever get to. Right, if you're in high school, you're around thousands of people five days a week, eight till three or whatever it is that you, you spend at school, I can't get to them. Maybe a break time, 
That's like 15 minutes. But if you're in high school, that's thousands upon people that you're the only person who has access to. Universities, 10,000 people that you have access to. Some of you are for large companies, big spaces. You're the person. That's not me, I can't. I don't have access to your office park. I only have access to my office park. And uh, I'm responsible for the people that I have access to. And you're responsible for the people that you have access to. Again, the gospel that is bearing fruits. You heard it from our fellow worker, Epaphras. We have no clue who he is. It's not the paid professionals. And, I, and I'm glad about that. So we get down to the how, right? The how. Right? We know it's bearing fruits. Uh, we are a church that reaches out, but it's important because we also know uh, that there are right ways and wrong ways of doing this, and we've all experienced bad ways, and, and it's kind of tainted us a bit. But if you still have one, uh, Colossians opened, uh, verse 10 talks about, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, uh, pleasing Him, in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his uh, glorious might. One, how to do this? Uh, go to the Spirit, right? Uh, if you want to reach out, pray for boldness. And I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit will empower you for this. And I really wanna encourage you to do this. If you are a mature believer and you want to reach out more, I want you to pray, Holy Spirit, empower me to be a witness. Love to hear the stories of what happens next. But also, we've resourced you guys as a church. If you go onto our app, uh, if you've here and you have no clue what we're talking about when we say app, the app is Oikos. You go to the app store and you search Riverside. Our church will come up. Uh, on there is the service uh, series that we did uh, around for. Um, uh, the, the series on apologetics, the reason for everything. There is a good equipping resource for you. If you don't know how to speak, you know, Craig, I want to be a good witness. I want to reach out. I want to have conversation. I hear my colleagues talking about stuff, but I just, I don't know what to say. I don't want to make a fool of myself. I want to do a bad job and then I lose my opportunity. There are resources available for you to equip yourself to do that well. And so that's on our app. We also did uh, some stuff on how to share your faith in, in our life groups. And so there are lots of resources there for us. But I wanna share two words for you or with you uh, that are big for us when it comes to reaching out. And this is kind of at the heart of the heart of the mission at Riverside is these two words, it's truth and love. We are a church who reaches out, but the way we reach out is truth and love. Right, you don't see us doing like mass crusades with tents uh, out in the park. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but the way that we really want to encourage uh, reaching out is truth and love. Okay, truth is speaking, right? So, uh, you've got to be able to, I, I actually don't think, did anybody here come to faith without somebody telling them about something? Okay, there's no hands that went up, All right? Truth. We do eventually have to tell people about Jesus. That's scary, that's daunting, but you can be equipped around that. And we wanna equip you well. So re-read those resources, download them uh, to your computer. If you feel like you can't, then you can send that off to, to everyone to read themselves. But truth, 
right? People cannot get saved without coming to faith in Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father through me. Jesus is a big deal, and that's the truth that we proclaim, right? Truth, and then love. Truth and love, proclamation, demonstration. Well, we take this from Jesus. Well, we love how Jesus acted with people. Because uh, here's an, another saying that comes up so much for us as a church, a quote by Andy Stanley. It says, people who are not like Jesus, liked Jesus. And so much of bad sharing of our faith and bad kind of evangelism is that, you know, people like, I met a Christian, he was a terrible businessman. He actually owes me money and he, you, you know, he did this job and I can't get hold of him. I hate Christians. I'm not gonna go to your churches. Full of those people who did that and, and that and that. And that's because people aren't kind of reaching out in truth and love. They're not modeling their lives on Jesus who loved first. One of the amazing things about Jesus is the only people that he really called out and had harsh words to were the religious hypocrites. Everyone else he just loved, accepted, and didn't judge. And even when someone was caught in sin and they were brought to him, he didn't judge them for their sin. He loved that woman and he was gentle to her when he did speak to her about her sin. And so gentle that she listened to what he had to say. Because when we see the life of Jesus, it's always truth and love. He did speak the truth. But the people who were not like him liked him and followed him. You know, to try and discredit him, they said, like, Jesus, you're drunken and a glutton because of the company he kept. Because he wasn't afraid to take truth and love into hurting and broken spaces in our community, in his community. And really at the heart of it, that is what a mature believer does, is they're able to take truth and love to where it's needed most and to people who need it most. Love what it says in uh, 2 Peter 1 Peter 2 verse 12, it says, live such good lives among pagans that they that accuse you of doing wrong, they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Live such good lives among the pagans. Right? Proclamation, demonstration, truth and love. The only people we're allowed to judge are those in the church who've already come to faith and we do that gently. If they haven't come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have no parts or rights to judge them on their actions, but to love them like Jesus did. He was gentle. When he engaged broken people, it was with gentleness, love. In fact, one emotion that dominated the life of Jesus was compassion. Not anger, not elitism, not righteous indignation. It was compassion. Gentleness, compassion, truth, and love was how Jesus treated those uh, who did not believe. That's how we reach out. Okay? Truth and love. Eventually, we're gonna tell people and invite people, and we're gonna share with them what Jesus did in our lives, but it's coming on the back of how we love them. And because of how we love them, they're gonna listen. Okay? Because our words come with compassion, and our words come with gentleness, and it's come with the life of love. That is, is how we do things as a church. We wanna reach out to our broken and hurting community, those who need justice with truth and with love. The passage ends with, from verse 12, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Right? That's the reason. That's the reason. Because in Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We were taken out of the dominion of darkness. We were brought into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. That's the reason. We're going to celebrate with uh, having communion uh, now this morning. Jesus reached out to us. Jesus left the comfort of heaven, born in a manger to an unmarried teen mother, then went to the cross and died in our place for our sins. The whole time he reached out to us, he left that as the model for us to follow. So as you go and take communion, I really want us to take the weight of what that is. I am in the kingdom of the son that he loves because he reached out to me. The bread remembering his body broken for me. Right? I deserved that death, he died that death for me. The cup, the grape juice, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of my sins so that because of that, I am in relationship with him. I get to call him father. That's what I have. That cannot be taken away from me. Early in the passage, it speaks about uh, the, the, the gospels bearing fruit because of the hope stored up for them in heaven. Right, This hope that we have in Jesus that can't be taken away. And then I want you to, in faith, go, okay, Jesus, this is what I have. Who's my one? Who's my one person that you are placing before me that I need to share this with, that you've done this in my life? Who do I need to reach out to in truth and love? Right, Jesus, I'm so thankful for your love, Jesus, that you reached out to us. Jesus, you went on mission first. You left heaven and you came to earth. And on your mission, you died the death that I deserved to die, but you did it in my place for my sin. And as a result, I am in your kingdom. I get to call you Father. And you left me a model to follow. Jesus, you were so gentle with me. It was compassion that drove you to the cross and kept you on the cross. Father God, I pray that through the powering of your spirits, just as you have been doing, that we get to celebrate being on mission, reaching out, celebrating what you are doing in our midst, that Holy Spirit, you would empower us for so, so much more. And Jesus, as we come and, and uh, sing about what you've done and uh, come around the communion table, that you would spur us on to reach out even more with truth and love. In your holy name, amen.